Well, good morning, Springwell. How's everybody doing? Good. We've only got a couple days. Christmas will be here. We all stand with us as we begin to worship. The child has been
So I was over in the other building earlier, and I just thought of this, and I thought I should share, but uh, Santa Claus told me a joke over there, okay? He, uh, he, he asked, uh, my little boy was with me, he asked, he asked him uh, what happened when he came down the chimney and the fireplace was on. He became crisp Kringle. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Merry Christmas. We're glad you're here today. Uh, we're going to get ready to, uh, to take up our tithes and offerings uh, in just a moment. But in the spirit of Christmas, uh, I did want to share, for those of you who don't know, for the 25 days of Christmas, the 25 days, Christmas Day included, that lead up to Christmas, we do something we call 25 days of Christmas cheer here at Springwell. Basically, every Sunday we take up an offering that's above our regular tithes and offerings. And we just go out throughout the week every day and we divide that money up and we just give it away. No strings attached, simply just, hey, can we pay for your gas? Hey, can we pay for your groceries? Can uh, we pay your power bill? Whatever it might be. And uh, I did want to report that we have a couple of days left, but through 23 days so far of that, we've given away close to $10,000, $9,800. And so we have, a, we have a couple more days left. And so this morning, if you would like to give to that, you can. Um, you can give in the kiosk online. Just make sure you select Christmas. There's also some, also some envelopes at both of the doors this morning. You can give in that as well. But right now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take up uh, our regular tithe, our regular offering. If you're a guest with us, this is not for you. This is not why somebody brought you here for Christmas. If you're a regular, you know there's different ways you can give. You can give online. You can give at the kiosk. You can text the number that's on the screen. Or you can give a good old-fashioned way. And so if you're on the left side of the row, you can pass that bucket to the right. Thank you for being at Springwell. And for those of you that laughed at my joke, thank you. scripture I want to share with you. And I know we don't do this often, but would you guys stand as we read this scripture? It comes from Romans 8, 31 through 39. And it says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for, for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, and more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep, as led to the slaughter. No, in all things, 
we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think that is so appropriate in this time of year because it's such a crazy story that God sent his son as a baby through a virgin birth to live out this perfect life, to die on a cruel cross for our sins. When you really think about that, it's crazy and amazing at the same time, but I think it shows just how much he loves us and to what extent he would go to to create himself in the form of a human so he could come to this earth and show us how to live. So if you would just join us right now as we sing about our King. A King like this, majesty laying in a manger. A King like this, unto us is born a Savior. name and the song of heaven, a king like this, born of flesh into our suffering, the light, the light has come, he is Christ the Bye. 
grace that will stand forever. The angels sing, glory, glory, hallelujah. The light, the light has come. The light, the light has come. God, we thank you so much for that crazy story of the Christmas birth. us so much that you sent your only son to save the world and save our souls. God, we thank you for being so faithful, for always being here for us, no matter what we're going through. You're always there, God. We thank you so much for that. We thank you for what you've done this morning and how you've moved in our hearts and stirred in our minds. pray that you would just be with Scott as he brings the word, God. Just touch our hearts and help us leave here changed. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. We all have one, that unexpected story. That story that you would sit down and tell someone about how you got to where you are today that they would never guess. Maybe our path took us through some hard times. Maybe it's been full of joy and excitement. Maybe you started off aimed 180 degrees from where you are today. This Christmas Eve at Springwell, we'll go on a journey together through the unexpected stories behind some of our favorite Christmas songs and discover the unexpected person who made it all worthwhile, the author and perfecter of our faith, the bringer of our peace, Jesus. Join us this Christmas Eve at Springwell Church in Taylor, South Carolina at 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock p.m. For more information, visit us online at springwell.org slash Christmas Eve. Good morning. How are y'all? Feeling good? Pumped up? Ready for Christmas? Got all your shopping done? My wife. Yeah, one more thing you want to get me, don't you? Um, uh, it's, it is hard to believe that it's two days uh, till Christmas, and, uh, I, and, and then tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve is a really big deal here. Um, let me tell you why, because for years we didn't do Christmas Eve, and the reason we didn't do Christmas Eve was because uh, I didn't want to do it. God, that sounded awful, <laughs> but it's, it's the truth, and, and part of that was uh, because, you know, as a staff, uh, we work really hard, and volunteers, we we push our volunteers to work really, really hard to be ready every Sunday for people that walk through the doors of this church and so that we can love you well and, uh, and be ready for you. And so Christmas Eve is just, just that one time a year. And so I've looked at our staff and looked at volunteers and said, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Christmas Eve and be with our families. And I've stuck to that until a few years ago. And a few years ago, um, one of the things that we've done over the last few years is, is as, uh, as a church group, uh, church has studied church. And uh, those experts that study church have determined that, that Christmas Eve is the number one time uh, during the year that unchurched people will actually go to your church. And so that kind of messed with me a lot. It didn't mess with me just a little bit. It messed with me a lot, considering the fact that 36% of the folks that attend here on a given Sunday have never been to any church of any kind. 36% of you 
would say, I've never been to any church of any kind. Another 14 to 16% of you would say, I haven't been to church in the last 20 years. Wow. That's 50%. That's 50% of the people that attend here on a given Sunday would say that we haven't been to church at least in the last 20 years. And, and, a, and a good number of you would say they don't go to church, you've never been to church at all. So when I began to think about Christmas Eve, I thought, wow, it's just like, how do we do this? And so we tried to pray through it, and we decided that we would do an earlier services. We'd do them earlier during the day and still give our staff and, uh, and, and you as volunteers that would still give us an opportunity to spend with our family. We didn't know if we'd be successful, to be quite honest. We kind of laughed and thought, well, we'll give it a shot. Nobody comes. We won't do it next year. And we filled the place up. We filled the place up for two services, and so we've been doing it ever since. No, it was three and five. We thought we would even try one because actually uh, the earlier service was the bigger service. So we're doing one and three. And let me just tell you why it's important to me. It's important to me because honestly, for me personally, I've got about five or six people that I've invited. And I'm really stoked and I hope that they come. Um, one person in particular that uh, not even sure what they believe about God at this point. Uh, very humble actually, not what you would think. Sometimes people talk about unchurched people and, 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 and they're arrogant and they're mean. No, they're not. Uh, I don't know what unchurched people you know, and there's some out there. I've met more mean church people than I have. I probably shouldn't have said that, should I? But it's the truth. I've probably met more mean church people than I have unchurched people. And so uh, I've literally been building a relationship with one guy in particular since probably July, just slowly, little by little, beginning to just plant seeds where I can with the idea of inviting them to this service. So I hope that you're the very same way. It was cool, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday when, uh, when we had a little staff mass text that went out. and All of us that have been building relationships with people during the year, and we're just stoked and excited because we've invited them, and, and we're hoping that they'll be here. And I hope that, that you've done the exact same thing. And right now, if I'm kind of just rattling your cage a little bit, and you're thinking, man, I meant to invite, but I haven't yet. Then we just we want to give you some reminders. Um, we got a little coaster thing that looks cool. Kind of looks like a Jack Daniels. I probably shouldn't have said that either. My wife's over there. Let me walk over here. <laughs> but they're really, really cool invites. And so, you know, if you would just, you know, maybe you know, pass some of those out in the next couple of days. Uh, and, and maybe that you would say, you know what, I'll meet you there. Maybe your service is going to be the 1 o'clock service. I've already heard somebody even earlier this morning. They said, I'll see you tomorrow at, uh, at 1. So you already know the service that you're going to come to, and you reach out and you would invite those folks. One thing I, you can, that I can guarantee you is that when you invite that person tomorrow, they're going to be, they're going to be presented with the gospel um, and about how big God is and how he does. He shows up in the unexpected to be able to, to love people that are very far from him. So it's a big, big deal. It's a big deal to me personally. I want to make sure you understand that. It's a big deal for me personally. It's not just that I'm going to show up and have investment in preparing for a message or that we've planned and we're ready for a service. It's more than that. It's that I've invested in people, and I can't wait to bring those people here because I know they're going to be loved well. I know that greeters are going to meet them in the parking lot. They're going to meet them at the, on the patio, and they'll meet them again at the door, and they come through the doors. The ushers will be on the inside ready to seat them, making sure that they're comfortable, making sure that they're loved and they're well taken care of. And then they're going to be presented with the gospel. Does that make sense? So I get really, really excited about that, and I hope you've done the very same thing. Is that good? Also, let me make sure that I say, because uh, this was, I think, huge. 
Uh, you heard Jonathan say we've already given away, just through 25 days of Christmas, about $10,000. Uh, what he didn't share with you is that over and above that, we've given away, just this December, another $7,000. So a total as a church is what we've tried to do to just, to just bless this community. And bless this community, a lot of that has been blessing some of our folks as well because people that show up here every week, you know, some of you guys are struggling. And so we're trying to be there for you and to help you do whatever you need done, uh, maybe to buy Christmas or maybe to pay, uh, pay a rent or a house payment. Uh, those things happen. Uh, power bills that, 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 uh, that happen this time of year just like they do every other month, right? And so we're just, I just wanted you to know, you should be very, very proud that as a church we want to do more than just have be a talking head on a Sunday morning, but that we actually want to, to, to share the gospel in a tangible way as we look at people and say, hey, man, God loves you. Is that cool? <clears throat> so, uh, so who is this, this Jesus, this babe in the manger that we're going to be selling the, celebrating the birth of in a couple of days? I mean, who is it? We've been looking at names, right? We've been looking at names all month long. And so Isaiah 7 says, it uses this name. He is Emmanuel. Now, that's a big old fancy church kind of name, right? I mean, if you go to church on Sunday, you might hear that name. You would expect to hear that name. It's in songs that we sing, but what does the name mean? It means... God with us. That's what the name means. And so really whether you're, a, a, you know, an every Sunday kind of church goer or not, there's probably been times when you've kind of uttered that prayer, right? You've kind of whispered that prayer. Oh, God, be with us. Maybe you're a young family and you were like, you know, Karen and I, when we had young kids, and here's Emily right here on the front row, and I remember, bless her sweetheart, when she was just a small bundle of ADD. And we and we'd get ready to go on vacation. We would we would gather as a family, would we not? Hold hands in the car, and we would pray, "God be with us." Karen and I mostly was praying, "Lord help us." <laughs> you know, it was it was more of that kind of prayer. But we kind of prayed that prayer. Maybe you've prayed that similar kind of prayer, or maybe you know what? You're not even a real churchgoer, but you've been on your way to that job interview. Come on, you've been on your way to the job interview, and you're just like, "Lord, I don't even know if you're real." But, like, if you would show up, you know, and be with me during this job interview so I don't say something really stupid and embarrass my family, you know, if you, if you would just be with if you would help me get that job. And some of you have been super spiritual as you have stood in the QT and bought that lottery ticket. <laughs> and you prayed, right? You got some oil. Maybe it was Crisco, but you anointed it and you prayed. I just made that up. I don't even know where that came from. And you, you know, but you pray, you say, oh, God, be with me. And I'll give you 20%. The guy over there is going to give 10. I'm going 20. Okay, God, I'll split it with you. 50-50. So we've all kind of, you know, prayed that prayer, you know. But what does it mean? I mean, really, what does it mean? It's a big deal to me. You've probably noticed that over the last, I don't know few months or few years that the whole idea of the presence of God, the love of God, experiencing God on an everyday kind of basis for, for somebody that's had my background to understand the beauty of the cross and what Jesus really did on the cross and what that means to understand God is with us. It is a huge deal. So what does it mean? Let's look at the birth of Jesus and try to figure it out. 
Here's the way Matthew records the birth of Jesus in Matthew 1. He says this, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Come on, y'all, come on, y'all got to be the really sharp crowd. <laughs> Why are y'all looking at me like that? This should be, Amen. Praise the Lord. I get anything out of you? Yeah, that's pretty good. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, this, through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's quoting from Isaiah. 740 years before Matthew actually says, hey, God is actually with us 740 years before there was a prophet whose name was Isaiah that said, there will be a virgin, she will conceive, there's going to be a child, it's going to be the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. And this was a huge deal. I'll tell you why, because for 740 years they waited. And if you'll just study a little bit about history, I'll tell you what you'll find. You'll find that there were a lot of Jews that lost their faith during that time. 740 years is a long time, so a lot of people died without ever seeing that promise fulfilled. A lot of people would get up every morning believing, I wonder if today's going to be the day. I wonder how many old folks were going to their grave with the thought, you know what, I lived my whole life thinking every day could be the day, and God never actually showed up. So a lot of those people, a lot of those people lost their faith. And so Matthew says, I know it's been a long time. And I know that there literally have been generation after generation after generation after generation who've died waiting on, but now he is here. Emmanuel, God with us. And so he's finally with us, like, you know, physically, but it's not like he just came into being he actually has always been. Isaiah 9 says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And the heart of this passage, the heart of the passage is not just the child that is given, it's the son is given. That's the focal point of, of Isaiah. That's what he's trying to say. And this is because the son existed before the child was born. I mean, it messes with you a little bit, Ron. That'll be, what? Yeah, the, the, the son actually existed before the child was born. The son existed before Mary existed. Put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little bit. I'm just telling you. That don't mess with you, won't it? Absolutely. I'm just saying that Jesus did not make his debut on Christmas morning in Bethlehem. That wasn't his debut. That wasn't a finally, I'm here. He's always been. John 1 says it like this. In the beginning, the Word, which is Jesus, already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. Are you following me? I mean, this is the gospel writer who said, listen, man, I'm telling you, this is not a new thing. This is like God coming to earth in a bodily form, but Jesus has always been. In fact, Genesis 1, here's what God said. Let us make man. Let us make human beings. He didn't say let me. He didn't say me singular like God was the only one that existed. He said let us. In other words, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in, not my image, 
in our image. Now, some of you are thinking, like, this is cool theology stuff, I guess. Like, it sounds a little weird, the whole that the sun existed before, and I kind of got lost in all of that, and maybe that's really, really cool, but is it that big of a deal? Yes, it really is that big of a deal, and it was huge for these Jews. Let me tell you why. Because in the Old Testament, let's just be honest, God was kind of a distant God. I mean, you could not look into the full-blown presence of God and live. You, you couldn't. They would have remembered that Moses had to hide from the presence of God because the full-blown presence of God would have killed an ordinary human. So they would have remembered that and they would have said, wait a minute, in the Old Testament we knew that God was with us and he would show us evidence of his presence, but not like, not like this. I mean, like God is here in human form. He's, he's here, he's with us. It would have been mind-blowing. They would have thought for the first time, it's not just praying to a God way up in heaven somewhere. It's not, going through, it's not going through a prophet. It's not just a prophet giving a word. It's that God is actually like he's here in the flesh. That's, that's why wise men travel for two or three years just to get to Jesus. Now, that's messing with some of you, isn't it? You're thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he was... I mean, I got a manger at the house. You mean a little manger scene at the house. You know what I'm saying? And the, the, the shepherds and were there. Sorry. They actually weren't. Just, just read the scripture. I mean, we just, sometimes you, you're brought up in church, you just grow up thinking certain things until finally you start to read the Bible and you go, I'll be dog. They weren't actually there. It was about two years later. That's, that's what possessed this whole idea that finally God is present with us. Push these guys, wise men, to travel for two or three years just to get to this baby named Jesus. That's what caused lowly shepherds to run back to the fields rejoicing after they had seen the baby in the manger. It was the fact. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, Christmas Eve. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. That, wait a minute. The king of kings is born, okay? The Messiah, the savior of the world. And the first people to get the announcement are shepherds? <laughs> I mean, really, you would think, what? I mean, like, wouldn't you want to pick a better class of people? I mean, they were stinking shepherds. They were the lowest of the low. They were hardworking, the working class people. And God cared so much that he said, not only did I come, but I have come to the lowest of the low. Come on. That ought to fire somebody up. God stripped himself of his glory and he became like us. And he came to the lowest of the low. John 1, 14. I love this verse. I've always just loved this verse. The word became human and made his home. Uh, one translation, literally, if you look at the Greek, he pinched his tent toward us. In other words, he set his affection in our neighborhood. He moved into our neighborhood. Make it personal. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory in the glory of the Father's one and only Son. God is with us. There's some of you that aren't full-on believers yet. Come on, let's be honest. You know what you're waiting on? You're waiting on the presence of God. That's what you're waiting on. You're waiting on that supernatural experience. 
I've talked to several people. Just It's cool. I love what we do. I get to have conversations with people that the average pastor just doesn't get to have conversations with. And, and I've talked to several people lately who said, you know what, it's not that I don't believe. I, I believe that there's something, and I want to believe. I'm just waiting on God to show up, you know. I'm waiting on the burning bush. I mean, if I had a burning bush, you know, if I had... If, if an angel would come and speak to me like he didn't marry, I mean, if I just had that supernatural experience, I long for the presence of God. And some of you, that's what you're waiting on. Right? You're waiting on him to show up. Others of you, you are a follower. You are followers of Jesus. But let's be honest, it's been a tough year. And I say this, I think, every year, Christmas, because it is, it's the great magnifier. I mean, you take the good at Christmas, and it's magnified and made so much sweeter. I mean, it's like, you know, we were the other night, uh, we, I do 25 days, I, the Sunday afternoon's my thing, and I end up at Walmart. I love Walmart. I believe God sent Walmart to mankind. So anyway, we were at Walmart, and, and, and it, was, it was the sweetest, it was the coolest thing. We were buying gas for people, and I thought we'd like fill up a tank. And So we would ask the question, I mean, how, how much were you going to put in? I was blown away. I could not believe that people would actually say, $10. What? One, one man, older couple, literally looked at me, and he said, I've never filled this truck up since the day I bought it. Christmas just magnifies the bad, doesn't it? And he was just blown away. He said, man, for the first time since I've owned this old truck, she's going to be full. I don't have to worry that, you know, that I have to come up with another 20 bucks, another 15 bucks in the next three or four days. I, I mean, now we're going to be able to fill it up. I mean, Christmas is the great magnifier. And for some of you this year, it's just been a tough year. And that's just been magnified. Some of you are going to face an empty chair at the Christmas table. For some of you, that's a divorce. And divorce is hard. I've talked to tons of people over the years that have been through divorce, and they never said this in an ugly way, but I've heard a lot of people look at me and say, you know what, it would have been easier if I had experienced a death. To, to, to know that somebody else just walked out and chose to love somebody else. The heartbreak the agony of. And then how you negotiate Christmas and who goes with who and how do the kids spend their time, right? It's, it's tough. And, and Christmas magnifies that. It magnifies that loss. I know people right now, I've already talked to them this morning that experienced loss. It was unexpected. I mean, it, everything was going fine. Their lives were going so well. And then there was that thing that happened that Sunday afternoon. And this person that they loved, I mean, died. And they were gone. And now, how do we, how do we negotiate Christmas? I, we don't, I, I've talked to people who go, you know, I, I knew that my mother, that my, that my spouse was sick. I mean, it was, it was a, a long sickness. But the thought of loss, I don't know, we don't know how to do Christmas. We're trying to figure that out. Christmas is going to magnify your loss. When I say God is with us, come on, let's be honest. For some of you are saying, I want him to be. 
I'm hoping that he'll be. I'm praying that he'll be. But right now, you're struggling with the presence of God. There are others of you that are here this morning, honestly, because of your sin, the shame of your sin. You're thinking, you know, God with us? I don't think God would probably want to be with me. Let me tell you what, I lived that for way too much of my life. I lived that. I lived that God loves me because he has to, because it says in the Bible that God is love. Come on, amen? But it doesn't say he had to like me. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I love you, but I don't like you. You know, you've heard that comment. It's painful, isn't it? So I would think that most of the time that I have a heavenly father that loves me, he proved it by sending his son. I've got that story in my head. And I would think, you love me because you have to. But I would think that most of the time he was probably disappointed. Because I'm a mess. Listen, God with us, we can experience the presence of God because of the price that Jesus paid. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, you know what gets us excited about Christmas? If you're not a follower, it's that all of our sins are forgiven. Man, listen, I am right with God. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. God with us. His presence. Whatever your reason for not believing that God is with you. Today, my prayer, and I can't make this happen on my own. I can't. And I try sometimes, you know, you find me, I'm working, I'm trying to say the right thing. I want to get it right. We try to do the right music and we try to present, you know, the right experience so that you can experience the presence of God. But we can't make that happen. So my prayer is that for some of you, what you're going to experience this morning is something, it's a gift that only God can give you. And that's the gift of His presence. How do you find the presence of God? Let me tell you, I want to close with this thought this morning. Sometimes... Sometimes you can only experience God. Sometimes you can only see Him. Sometimes you can only feel Him by looking in the rearview mirror. I'm going to tell you a beautiful story. It's the story of Joseph. This is Joseph of the Old Testament. This is not Mary's husband, but Joseph of the Old Testament. It's a great story how of, of seeing God better in the rearview mirror. Let's look at his story. It's a great story. and it, I, I love the Bible because it's so, it's so much fun. It just is. So if you don't smile when we read this, something's wrong. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now. Genesis 37, so Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Come on, you want to smile right now, don't you? I mean, this is probably not the way to build a bridge of love between brothers. I'm just saying, strike one. (laughs) Are you with me? Strike one. I mean, nobody likes a tattletale. Can I hear an amen? Boy, that was pretty strong right there. That's the most spiritual y'all been all morning. Then it says this, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. You Listen, you can't make this stuff up. I read this and I thought, God, I don't think I would have put that in the Bible. (laughs) Anyway. And Emily, just so you know, we love you more. I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. It's hot in here. Jacob loved 
Joseph more than his, uh, than his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for him, made for Joseph. A beautiful robe. Strike two on the sibling togetherness, build a bridge of love kind of thing. Let's read on. But his brothers hated Joseph because his father loved him more than the rest of them. And you're thinking at this point, come on, let's say, I don't blame them. I'd hate him too. Sound like a brat to me, right? That's kind of what you're thinking. They couldn't say a kind word to him. I, I sure they weren't able to do that. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. And you would think, like, at this point, I, Joseph, he, like, must be really slow. <laughs> He's not the smartest guy. He's just not the smartest guy. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and worshipped him. <laughs> and again, you don't have to be that smart, right, to think, strike three. I mean, <laughs> this is not going to go well. It's just not going to end well at all. His brothers responded, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And the way that he talked about them. So, I mean, like, strike three, you are out. So here's what happened. One day, one day his father, Jacob, sent him out to the field to check on his brothers. Which, again, his father's not real smart at this point either, right? I mean, I've, he, he's already set them up. I love him more than I love y'all. He's had this dream. It's not going well. He says, I want you to go out and check on them. I mean, you've been a tattletale the whole time, so I want you to come back and tattle some more. So they got out there, and they seized the opportunity beat him up, threw him in a pit, and left him for dead. And then one of the really nice brothers said, let's don't let him leave him there to die. Let's sell him and make some money. I'm just telling you, the Bible's a lot more fun than you ever thought, right? And so that's exactly what happened. And so if you know the story, then you know that he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer, and the Bible says this, Genesis 39. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did that he served in the home of this Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he made Joseph his personal attendant. Wow, this is a cool story, isn't it? He put him in charge of the entire household and everything he owned. So, like, he was the favored son, then he got thrown in the pit, then he got sold into, into slavery, but then he was bought by Potiphar, and then Potiphar sees that he's, like, got God all over him. And so now, now he's in Potiphar's house. This is like from the pit to the palace. I mean, this is a great story. It's not over. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. I did that for you ladies. I just want to have a pause. Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully, but Joseph refused. And so, you know what? She didn't want to take no for an answer, and she pursued Joseph, and literally he ran and left his cloak in her hand. So she tells her husband this big old hairy lie, and here's what it says. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the, where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. So the moral of the story... It doesn't pay to be handsome and well-built. <laughs> so, men, go home this afternoon and eat you another piece of pie. <laughs> this is a crazy story. This is, 
Watch this. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster ride. It's like I'm doing good things, and then I, and then suddenly the bottom falls out, and then I'm doing good, and the bottom falls out. It's a crazy ride. And then it says this, Genesis 39. <clears throat> but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. I think I have to smile when I read this next part too. It says, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite. I just wonder if he's thinking, you know, God, I'm cool with not being the favorite. Because like, being the favorite ain't really worked out so well for me. You know, come on. You got to. Anyway, that's what I would think if I was been him. And if you know the story, then not only does God deliver Joseph from prison, but he makes him a rule over Egypt. It's, it's an incredible story. Here's the point of the story. And literally, I'm not kidding you. Don't just take my word for it. Go back and read the story. Read the story of Joseph. Because if you look at Joseph, I mean, there, there are books that have been written on him. And he, he is like, you know, a hero of the faith. And, 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 and people built him up. And wow, look at how he was blessed. But I'm telling you, if you look at his life, he spent more time in the pit than he did in the palace. It's, it looks like he spent more time struggling than he did succeeding. And the only way that he could ever know that God was with him, literally, was he had to look in the rearview mirror. He had to continue to look back over his life and to say, wait a minute, I know that times are hard now, but wait a minute, wait a minute. When I look in the rearview mirror, God's always been faithful. He's always been faithful. I can look back and remember when Karen and I were first married and we were living more on love than money. We never missed a meal. Came close a time or two. I can look back and remember when Springwell needed $10,000. I remember we just started, and we were a brand-new church plant. And This was back before we knew that we were planting a church. We were just starting churches back in those days. and There weren't that many around. There weren't a church plant on every corner. And, and so we started this church, and we were so excited. And I thought, gee, you know, I guess we're going to have to have a sound system. And so I called a buddy of mine. He knew a little bit about sound equipment. And, and so then I said, well, you know what? And if we're going to have a sound system, I guess what we probably need, we probably need at least a keyboard. I mean, now we have a big full band, but then I was just praying for a keyboard. And so we come up with about $10,000. And, and honestly, we had about 50 people, and, and, and that was counting dogs and cats and everybody. I mean, I'm not, I mean we, we, we were just trying to build a church. You know what I'm saying? Bring your dog. It don't matter. But we, need, we need numbers, you know, is what we need. And I remember that that $10,000 was a miracle, but God showed up, and we had, he blessed us with $10,000. We had a sound system. Then I remember when we needed $100,000. I remember we wanted to buy a piece of property. And, and I found this piece of property. It was up 101. And, and, I, and I presented this to our folks. And they said, so are we going to build it there? And I said, no. <laughs> they said, what? I said, I just think, I just think we need, you know, they're not making any more land. And so I just think it would be a good investment. And I think we just should just, you know, buy this piece of property. And we did. And we bought that piece of property. But we needed $100,000. And then God showed up. And guess what? He provided $100,000, and then I remember that was good, and then we took that money, and we sold that property, and we took that money, and we were looking to buy this property, and then we needed a million dollars, and I thought, whoo. I mean, God, you know, you did $10,000 and did $100,000, but now we need a million dollars, and you know what? God showed up again, and just so you know, I probably shouldn't tell you this, and, and so uh, don't tell a lot of people. But I'm just saying that I told you all a few months ago, if you remember, I was really excited, and I said, man, some things are coming, and, 
and I'm so excited, and I believe that God's put me back on the offense and not just be on the defense. And I've been on the defense for a lot of years, and I believe that God's put me on the offense. And, and I told you, some stuff's coming, and, you know, things are slow, and I got really excited. They're still coming. They're still coming, I, I'm telling you. And so once again, right after the first of the year, sometime, I don't know, uh, January, February, March, April, I don't know. But sometime after the first of the year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you again. You know what? We're going to be able to look in the rear view mirror and understand that God will meet every need that we have. Some of you this morning have grown really weary from the battle of everyday life. Christmas is the great magnifier. I'm talking to followers of Jesus, and I'm telling you, you can, you can wobble sometimes, can't you? You can wobble in your faith, and you can think, Lord, God with us, Emmanuel. Man, that sounds good. It's Christmas. That sounds good on Sunday morning, but God, what about Monday morning? I need you now. And for some of you, here's what my challenge is to you. You just look back over your life, look in the rearview mirror and look back, and you will find that God has always been faithful, always. I can look at you. This is what I, I'm telling you this way too much, I think, now. I, I'm getting old and repeating myself a lot. But I'm saying until you get old, until you can look back over life, some of you that are young, I'm telling you, God's never failed me. He's never failed this church, ever. We've given away $17,000 this Christmas. That's crazy. Because God's faithful. I don't know where you are. I'm just telling you to hang on, look in the rearview mirror. Emmanuel, God is with us. And He is with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. Look in the rearview mirror. Let me tell you what you're going to find. This is, this is so cool. You're, you're going to find that God, like God has just strategically placed people in your life. It's crazy. Like, like for, you know, this guy, a couple people at the gym, they had no earthly idea. You know, I was going to show up. You know, a pastor. Just to remind them that God's crazy about you. He loves you. You may be here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but if you'll look in the rearview mirror, I promise you'll look back and you'll be able to see how God has just put, maybe the person at Bilo, who knows? Maybe it's the person at the QT. I don't, maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's the person that you work with. Who knows? But God's put people in your life strategically over the last few weeks and months, maybe even years, to bring you to this point right now of saying, yeah, I believe. I can't deny the awesomeness of God power of His love. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. No one's looking around. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be, maybe you'd pray or something like this. Maybe you'd say, Jesus, you know, I, can, I can feel your presence. I can. Right now I know that you're right here and that you're with me. God, I can, I can look back in the rearview mirror right now. I can, you know, and I can see where you've just strategically placed people in my life to tell me that you love me. Wow. So right now, I just want to ask you to forgive me of my sin. 
you to be my Savior. So to the best of my ability right now, I just I want to surrender my life to you. Thank you for showing up in my life today. Father, you are you are amazing, Lord. God, you're faithful. You are so, so faithful. In spite of all of the difficulties and the hard times, God, I know that I've experienced, Lord. As I look in the rearview mirror, Lord, you've never one time, not one single time have you ever failed me. Lord, you've been so faithful to this church. You have blessed us, God. You have led us. You've given to us. Lord, I believe with the sole purpose so that we can give and be a blessing to others. Thank you, Lord. It was cool for me this morning, Lord, to be able to stand here on the stage and even look out and see people who've just made all that happen, who've just been such gracious givers. Thank you for putting those people in our lives. Continue to use us, Lord. To introduce them to your presence. In your sweet name we pray.